a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the Darth Vader to my Commander Wormus, it's John Campbell. I'm so glad I'm Vader in that scenario, because Commander Wormus... I thought you'd be, yeah. Yeah, Commander Wormus is aptly named. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. Oh, man. Gargoni, are we still on that wheel? Oh, that wheel, it keeps a turning. That wheel in the sky, if you will, keeps a turning. Oh, man. That, this, uh, this comic specifically is what Journey was singing about. Uh, yes, I believe that is correct. Um, if you read between the lines yeah. and ignore some of the other lines, the, that song yeah, is specifically you, uh, about the Star Wars comic. only listen to those specific section of lyrics, then that's exactly <laughs> what this is talking about. <laughs> a great shade! Um... Yes, we are still on the wheel as we well, enter uh, what I would consider... I mean, look, I know it's a low fucking bar, but I think this is the best arc we've gotten in this comic so far. Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. It's <laughs> 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 like, uh, this is better than those pirates, uh, that's for sure. It's better than those pirates, it's better than those, like, cargo cult versus the uh, dinosaur-riding archaeologists. Oh my it's- god, yeah. <laughs> Better than the fucking, uh, yeah, uh, Magnificent Seven. Um, I wouldn't even go so far as to say it's better than A New Hope. (laughs) The Marvel version of A New Hope, I'll go with you on that. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, yeah, I guess it is, but uh, I will say, boy, particularly this issue we're on here, they did not have the six issues of story. No. This and one felt like they it's just like stretch that thing out. I mean, a little behind the scenes, we've talked about this some in prior episodes, but the idea that this comic book is basically what's keeping Marvel afloat at this yep. point is kind of telling in their approach to storytelling in that, okay, maybe we don't have six issues worth of stories, but we need six months worth of revenue. Yes. <laughs> Just keep it. How long can you keep this thing going? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of uh, editorial oversight other than more, more of this, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, we've had Archie Goodwin as our lead writer on this book, and he's coming down off of his small stint as editor in chief at Marvel. Meanwhile, right. Jim Shooter has, uh, some would say, rested control of. Others would say was graciously handed by Stan Lee. I like to call it the shooter coup. Um. <laughs> he would definitely not put it that way, but he's a oh, biased no. source. Yeah, as I think, did we talk about that on the show last week? His uh, incredible blog where you can get his version of how he took over and ran Marvel. Yeah, as a little bit of behind the scenes of this, ep- I think we talked about it off mic, but uh, jimshooter.com is a thing that exists, and mm-hmm. his blog, I guess you would call it, is yeah. insights from the man himself, uh, infamous as he is, he gives his own 
point of view on a lot of the events that you and I are talking yeah. about in terms oh, yeah. of his controversial stint at Marvel, specifically the era in which he was taking over as well. I love that. I, I think I said that I love that the first post that starts the thing is here I go again is title. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fascinating read. If you go over to jimshooter.com oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. read his uh, entries on the secret history of Jim Shooter, but it's like reading Napoleon or Caesar or uh, any of those like historical documents where it's like, okay, they're writing to an audience and they're also portraying themselves as a good guy. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. There, there, there's definitely a uh, you know history. You got to take it with a grain of salt that it's written by Jim Shooter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, let's talk about Jim Shooter just still creeping around the edges of this specific issue. Yeah, whether or not he has any direct insight onto the Star Wars book, that we have little idea about. Well, Goodwin we... is still credited as writer editor, so he's editing himself here. Yeah, um, and as far as we know, he has like pretty much total creative fiat on this. Though the Marvel style has always been more collaborative, uh, especially in this era. Oh, um, it's not till a little bit later until the uh, kind of takeover of the '90s guys that you have like very specific creator-driven books. Yeah, it's going to be a, a few. We're still a few years out from Miller's Daredevil, which will really be like a game changer, both at Marvel and in comics in general. Uh, but yes, this week we are covering Star Wars number 22 uh, from the Marvel era Star Wars book released April 22nd, 1979. We've got our creative team basically the same as last time. We've got Archie Goodwin on writing, Carmine Infantino on pencils, Bob Wyacek on inks, uh, Rob Sharon on colors, and Clem Robbins on the letters with a certain shooter in the background up on that grassy knoll. Have you considered space gladiators? And then you just descend back. <laughs> like a fucking Monty Python sketch character, just clip art of Shooter rising up over the hill, coming back down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, we're, we're, oh boy, already we are, I mean, we left on such a cliffhanger last time. The inevitable cliffhanger that I would argue the book took too long to get to, which is oh, if yeah. both Han and Chewie are in gladiatorial combat, they will end up facing each other. And, of course, if you're going to have a cliffhanger like that, why not end the next issue on yet another cliffhanger of a similar nature? And we'll I know. At the end of this issue. Yeah, that's the thing where, it, it, particularly the end of this issue, I was like, why didn't they just start with the, like, just one gladiator <laughs> pit, pin them against each other. My God. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into the cover here because we're going to leap right into that particular uh, scenario as we have Han Solo versus Chewbacca. I know. How could you not grab this off the newsstand? If I'm a kid in 1979, what, what? They're yeah, best friends. Especially as Han is wielding his invisible gun here. <laughs> it is, it's, it's, it's molded like an action figure where you're supposed to put the gun, but you've lost the gun. Uh-huh, yeah. It really feels like, and whatever the weird ball on the end of your fist is. I mean, we'll find out in the issue that those are like mirror reflective shields that all the combatants have. But yes, it does look like he has a sphere for a fist. Yeah, yeah. I'm so upset they made us play rollerball, Chewie. Um... <laughs> Better or worse gladiatorial combat scenario, rollerball or this? Oh, man, I don't know. 
Rollerball had motorcycles, so... That's true, that's true. But this has exploding planetoids. It does, which is nuts. Uh, and yes, as always, lots of dialogue. You know what you don't see as much today in modern comics? Dialogue on covers. I feel like covers are more of a... Um, how to put this? Art statement, I guess? As opposed yeah. to an invitation to what the story within an individual issue is going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 especially now it's a big deal about who drew them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I want to get that. And uh, so this, But this was really a time when they were part of the marketing, where it is like, pick this up because, holy, as Han is saying here, there's no choice in this crazy arena. I love the use of the word crazy specifically in that. In this crazy <laughs> arena. Like it or not, you gotta kill me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just saw something today uh, whilst doom scrolling through the internet that was specifically relevant to this issue, and I found pretty interesting. And it was Carmen Infantino's seven things that need to appear on a comic book cover if they need if you want oh. them to sell. Um, oh, very nice. Yeah. Number one, gorillas. You could argue Chewy, kind of gorilla-esque. Especially in the way Infantino draws him. Number two, dinosaurs. No dinosaurs here, obviously. Yeah, Number yeah. three, motorcycles. Like you were saying, motorcycles do make a difference. Yeah. Number yeah. four, uh, a purple background. I found that one odd. There is some purple in here. He's got, because uh, we should talk about, of course, if you're not looking at this. The the just wide rainbow of colors that these stars are and planets and stuff, it's pretty, it's very psychedelic 70s sci-fi. Yeah, I'm definitely getting some, like, early era Doctor Strange vibes from this. Oh, 100%. Uh, number five, The City in Flames. That's always going to sell a comic book. Uh, number six, The Hero Crying. That's kind of what we got going on here. He's at least crying out. Yeah, yeah. And of course, number seven, a direct question to the reader, i.e., what is the startling secret of the seventh superhero, question mark, dot, 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 etc. A question, but it's in that vein of Han Solo versus Chewbacca, dash, dash, to the last gladiator. Mm -hmm. It's definitely Uh, a statement of import, you know. And apparently these were written in the late 60s, early 70s, while uh, Inventino was doing work at D.C., 100%. 100%. That's very, uh, like, uh, Silver and Debrunge, HDC kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there are so many intelligent gorilla bad guys on DC. Oh, it's nonstop. That's like <laughs> half the rogues gallery of that comic book series. And especially, uh, Infantino did a lot of work on The Flash, so you know he contributed a ton to Gorilla Grodd. Doesn't... Is Ultra Humanite a Flash villain, or is he a Superman villain? That's a good question, because he sort of settles as a Justice League villain. Yeah. Uh, where did he start? And this is what I feel like. Well, of the three main gorilla bad guys at DC, (laughs) I feel like it goes Gorilla Grodd, uh, the Brain, and um, oh, what's his gorilla sidekick's name? Um, Oh, yes. Um, uh, I I forget my gorillas. (laughs) And then Ultra Humanite. Uh, he did start as part of the Superman Rogues Gallery. Mm, okay. He was actually, he was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Hmm, interesting. He appeared, he first, jeez. Monsieur Mala, how could I forget Monsieur Mala? Oh, of course. Uh, and let's not leave Detective Chimp out of this. He's part of the ape family. Uh, well, but he's not a villain. 
No, no, no. He no, he's firmly a hero. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Action Comics number thirteen. That's so early in Superman's run for Ultra Humanite. He's like, oh, and he's like Ultra the- Humanite's such a weird character too. It's like mad scientist who like hyper evolves his body and brain, but that kind of reverse engineers his body into a gorilla body. He's a lot of things thrown into a blender to make a villain, right? Like, it's a lot. And then isn't, lot doesn't on. he also, like, shoot himself into space and get space rays hit on him or something? Worse. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's lots to do that. I do recommend the Ultra Humanite episodes of the Justice League animated series. There's some good ones with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Let's right. get back to Star Wars. Sorry, less gorilla talk. This isn't this isn't May the Gorilla Be With You. Oh, but pretty soon when we run out of Star Wars books, it's gonna be Planet of the Apes comics. Um I am shocked there has never been a Star Wars Planet of the Apes crossover. Comic. I know, there's a Star Trek one and it's actually really I know. Alright, let's get into this issue. We get our first page here as we get the, the continuing the saga begun by George Lucas. I'm sure this is what he had in mind. <laughs> I always imagined that Han and Chewie would float in space in some sort of gladiatorial combat. Uh, in fact, I can show you the notebook where I wrote that down. Um. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, just so the reader isn't confused, we get Goodwin right off the bat says, it looks like deep space, but that is an illusion. I love that. I love that so much because I love, you know, it's a comic book, so we're going to take whatever's in front of us at face value, and he's like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of yes and, this is no but. Well, because I just love, too, where it's like, what, man, they're just floating in space without spaces? He goes, no, it's not space. <laughs> but we want it to, to look kind of aesthetically space. like space, yeah. yeah. We want to have people floating in space, but we know that doesn't make sense, so we just put this in, yes. Uh, Even though they just did it, like, seven issues ago when Han had his face off with Crimson Jack. Oh, my God. And we also, they did just do it, and we also already had Luke in his mind floating in space, too. They love this imagery, man. And it's not at all something I think of as part of Star Wars. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I I was struggling to remember the last time we had anything in Star Wars that involved even like an EVA suit. Yeah. Uh, No. (laughs) Really, almost never. That's a Star Trek thing. I can think of a couple instances in the Clone Wars, and that's pretty much it. That's about it. Yeah, it's pretty rare. And like... Really, like, as far as you go to, like, Empire, where they just have breathing masks when they're uh, on what they think is the asteroid. Inside the Exogorth, you mean? Yes, inside the Exogorth. Yeah, I knew you would know that. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought, but it's just like, yeah, Star Wars isn't really known for space suits. Once again, that's, I think of that more as a Star Trek thing. They're always putting on space suits. Mm-hmm. But, this is- no, this isn't space, this is an arena. That's also space. <laughs> but it's kind of, but the naked eye appears to be space. It's space uh, inside a space station that is in space, but this particular area isn't actually space. Okay, moving on. What I love is they love the phrasing of to the last gladiator. They used it in the coming up next week. They used it on the cover. Here it is again, because unfortunately for Han Solo and his Wookiee friend and first mate, this duel will be fought, dot, 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 to the last gladiator. Okay, John, I know you, of all people, can probably yep. answer this question. Oh. I'm sorry to uh, put you in a box like this. All right, sure, yes. When in the history of Hollywood did gladiator movies go out of style? The sword and sandals kind mm-hmm. of like... That would be uh, well before this. That would be sort of like, I would say late 60s was probably the the peak of those, right? Okay. You get all your, you get all your Ben-Hurs and Spartan right. movies, 
300 Spartans, things like that. That's all uh, That's all uh, 50s into 60s. So by this okay. point, uh, pretty out of style. Okay. We're, we're in, keep in mind, Star Wars is an anomaly when it comes out, right? Like, we're sure. coming out of the 70s where it's all about gritty drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all about realism and, and, and post-Vietnam. We're all bummed, man. Sure. So, yeah, so all that kind of stuff. Hollywood's completely shifted. This is a time when Jack Nicholson is one of the biggest stars, you know? <laughs> He's not making gladiator movies. <laughs> right. No, that's fair. So, so yeah. it, that's why it strikes me as odd that the, the emphasis on this, like, gladiatorial combat. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it, it makes me think of the airplane joke, right? Do you like gladiator films? Uh, <laughs> at this point, they're also kind of... Because irony and and people are starting to be a little bit more savvy. I think and the, where that joke is coming from, right, is like those movies were kind of gay, right? Like if you think about them, they were actually super homoerotic. Mm-hmm. Very much. So I just think it's very interesting. They're they're almost this like pastiche of like, geez, that was when we were all looking at oiled up bodies and pretending we weren't like, mm, Kirk Douglas looks good. <laughs> well, so, yeah. no oiled up bodies here. Well, actually, we no. don't know the consistency of Chewie's hair. Uh, this, but, well, it, I'll tell you, it doesn't look like Chewie's hair. They've done something to it. My God, Infantino can't resist making no, that he, longest fur. Uh, he is the Sasquatch from like a L'Oreal commercial is what he is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Han is bemoaning the fact that they, he's been roped into this madness. And on the next page, we get a huge double page spread of Han floating and getting shot at and lasers going everywhere and everybody shooting. And there's a bunch of aliens, though they're all kind of the same alien. But here's my question to you, John. Yes. Is Han a prude? Because everyone else here yeah. is down to their skivvies and yeah. seems to be into the spirit of the thing. And Han's the only one who has well, a shirt on. And I feel like he is trying to protect some sense of modesty in himself that nobody else shares. This is a thing that few people know. Because I think they cut it out of the movies. Han Solo is a never nude. Ah, there are that, dozens of them. Yeah, there are literally dozens of them. Under this ensemble, jean shorts. Shorts, yeah. Got, got, got it, got it. <laughs> I'm back in the cutoffs. Um, yeah, well, also, I think as you pointed out uh, last week, uh, they talk about activating everyone's blasters, even though we already saw Chewbacca firing a blast from his blaster at the end of the last issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Your weapons don't, are now activated, as they don't say. Don't worry about continuity, even though... This comic book. I mean, again, this could be your first issue. You don't know what's going on. True, but it just still, it it feels like that would be a thing. Anyway, yeah, and I gotta say, the little reflective shields, they're just so lame in design. They're just little mirrors that they're holding. Like, they're just, there's nothing cool. They're weird. And later we'd get, especially in The Mandalorian, the, like, cool little laser bucklers that certain people would wield. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those little shields the Mandalorians have. There are cool shields in Star Wars, but these are literally just little, like, reflective surfaces. They're they're saucer lids, is what they are. <laughs> they really have that vibe, where it's just like, ba-doom, ba-doom. When you'd grab a pot lid as a kid and pretend it was a shield, like, that's the vibe I'm getting off of all of these. Also, I, I know it's for emphasis or whatever, but why, why is suddenly space blue? Uh, because black is incredibly expensive to print. But that yeah, <laughs> but it's black. It's black everywhere else. This is the only panel where space appears blue. 
Yeah, like you said, it's for emphasis. Yeah, and emphasis. Uh, we get Han Solo, whose hair is now floating like a regal mane. I like the zero G hair going on here. There's a lot of floating Han Solo hair in this issue. Yeah, I, I, and we get a decent amount of floating Wookiee hair as well. And again, oh Chewbacca's hair is way more luxurious in the comic, so there's a lot more of it to float. Everyone's hair is kind of more luxurious. We'll talk about Luke Skywalker in a little bit. Oh my god, that mane. Well, his amazing transforming mullet is back in this issue, that's for sure. <laughs> and something I love, of course, in comics of this era, so much talking about what you're doing as you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, Han, right off the bat, everybody's quick on the trigger, huh? Well, I'm as fast as the next guy, but these needle rays and uh, but these needle rays, an accurate shot is kind of tricky. Yeah, uh, needle rays, by the way, I wanted to ask you about this, Gregoni. Is this ever mentioned in any other part of Star Wars? The no. hell's a needle ray? Because no. it doesn't even sound like a Star Wars thing. They talk about blasters and stuff. This is a needle ray. Yeah, uh, just, look, just so I'm not making a fool of myself, I am going to go to Wikipedia yeah. right now. And... I, it, like I said, it, it, it doesn't fit. I, they definitely, uh, the only thing it kind of reminds me of is like the Naboo blasters, which are kind of needle-like in their barrels. Mm -hmm. um, blasters, so. Um, okay, literally the only time it's mentioned is in this issue. Yeah. So so it's the idea, it's, it's, it's firing some sort of needle-esque blast. Well, you know how lasers are traditionally so thick, how they've got like a meaty substance to them. <laughs> a thick, girthy laser blast. <laughs> a, a turgid laser, if you will. Uh, these really shrink those down and like thin the beam. Yeah, you really think of a laser blast going, <laughs> mm -hmm. man, that's a heavy laser blast. Yeah, I don't. He just wanted to. But apparently, also. Wouldn't you think that he talks about accuracy is bad with them? But wouldn't you think a needle would make it more accurate? Well, I think the idea is that like you need to have a precise shot with this thin beam. Yeah, and with but a thicker laser, you can like get more of a glancing blow and do more damage. Uh sure. All right. Anyway, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna kill the same alien that's just different colors uh, multiple times throughout this. Yeah, they've got, like, vaguely different head shapes, but really, and especially the fact that they're all wearing the same Speedo and have it, the same kind of, like, scaly skin. They it, didn't do a lot look, to differentiate these guys. Infantino was a legend, but my God, this is lazy. Uh, but I do, my favorite part of this is the exploding planetoids, because we're going to see this pink guy get thrown into one and get bawoom to hell. What I do love is this comic has the presence of mind to say, uh, and Han specifically calling this out, uh, that he says the needle rays, uh, uh, but with these needle rays, an accurate shot is kind of tricky, especially in zero gravity, where unless you're good, the force of your own shot can propel you. And we see an alien shooting and his own laser blast is propelling him backwards. And that's yeah. when we get him colliding with uh, the planetoids that explode. I do think in, gen in general... And Goodwin's a pretty decent writer and actually does think about things. I think we have generally liked his writing more than Roy Thomas's with this. Oh, yeah, 100%. I just feel like he's a little bit more clever. Now, there's still stuff that drives me insane, and I feel like there's lots of pacing issues. But I would say he has some good ideas. He There are moments like that where I go like, oh, that's, that's pretty clever. Um, and he has a better handle on what the characters sound like, although there's still weird shit in here, of course. 
Sure, and we'll get to next issue where there's some stuff that may go. Uh, hmm. um, um, uh, but well, I'll for the most right part, now. I think uh, what I'm, a lot of our complaints we can chalk up to are era specific, right? Like comics yeah. in the late '70s, a lot of them read like this. And as much as I love like Tomb of Dracula and like the yeah. uh, Power Man and Iron Fist that's being written yeah. at this time, or like uh, there's good books being created at Marvel, but they do all sort of read like this to one extent or another. It's it's very tough for me to read large chunks of them like I do with modern comics. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. We're out because I was I've been I've been oh, my goal is to eventually read all of Spider Man, but like over the course of years, just dip in and out, read a chunk, read mm -hmm. a chunk. But like going back and reading some of those original ones, you read six, seven issues in a row and your brain starts to turn to goo because you just go like, <laughs> you start to realize it's all kind of the same thing. And he's even making the same jokes and like. You're reading a book that was meant to be consumed monthly and never issue to issue. It doesn't flow. And here, what's interesting about this is this is an era where we're sort of in the interim. We're like. They are starting to have more ongoing plots, but it still has that Marvel feeling of like, yeah, but we're going to constantly be reorienting everybody. Because when you read something now, it if you, if you pick up a trade of anything now, it just whips forward in story. To the point where if they don't include like chapter breaks where they insert the like issue covers of the issue yeah. you're going into, sometimes you can feel like it's all just like one big uh, and, issue that you're reading as opposed the, to like six best, combined. Uh, some of the best stuff, uh, some of the stuff I'm really loving these days are things that are just written as graphic novels, truly just a singular, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, it's just interesting. I'll just say this though. I don't think Han Solo would ever say, Cripes! <laughs> Look, there's lots of things we've come across that Han Solo would never say. And yeah. Cripes is probably in the top five, though. Because, yeah, he gets shot here. Or his hair gets shot? I'm not quite sure what happens here. His beautiful, beautiful hair! <laughs> Cripes! And then, uh-oh, another kind of non-Han Solo line. But what's with this crummy blaster? <laughs> it's, very, it, it's all very Marvel. Like, Spider-Man would say crummy blaster or Cripes. Like, they all, everybody's kind of talking the same in their books. Yeah, but on the next page, we get back to Han, and his hair is now a uh, much different color. Uh, it went from black in the last page to now it's uh, brown. And a totally different shape to it as well. I guess the idea being that as he's moved forward, the gravity has shifted all his hair forward. Sure, but we find out that his blaster isn't working. They've given him a bum blaster. <laughs> and I do love later that this book actually points out the stupidity of this plan. About, mm. well, okay, if you're going to just set them up to die in the gladiator, why not just murder them then? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that gets into like the, the betrayal and the double betrayal and the triple betrayal that ends up happening near the end of this arc. Boy, this thing is like a Hitchcock movie, man. Twist and turn. <laughs> uh, man, what I wouldn't give to see Star Wars directed by Hitchcock. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. You'd never leave a star destroyer. It'd all be about the like claustrophobia. Like the it, the whole movie would be the Death Star sequence, right? Like, oh man, would be and there'd be much more dangling over pits and things like that. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so much more sexual tension, but but very smart suits. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is where we learn where the shield that he's holding Han has. He can, if he's doing it right, he can reflect laser blasts coming at him to shoot other dudes. Cool. I mean, I like the idea of him 
using this to kill a guy by bouncing off of there. That's a cool... Well, that's also Han Solo being Han Solo. It's what I want to see more of in the book. Like, oh, I'm going to improvise my way out of trouble. Because that's really the character at its core, right? Sure. But this is a page where I went from, oh, there's some clever, like, science-y stuff being done here, to, well, you're literally just undercutting what you just wrote. When we have <laughs> Han reflecting a laser blast, which sends him careening back, because, again, remember, zero gravity, and right. he's heading towards one of the planetoids that will explode if he hits him, only to have a hand grab his leg and pull him to safety in the next page. And what's this? It's Chewbacca. But how is Chewbacca getting any leverage on him if we're in zero gravity? Good point. Also, I want to know what, I guess, Chewie hasn't been keeping up with his nails, because look at those things. Oh, I mean, Chewie has, like, claws, basically, for the entire time Infantino's drawing him. Which is so crazy, because he just has, like, sort of just hands, right? No, he kind of does have, like, long, clawish nails. You just never really see his hands because there's a lot of hair in the way. That's true. I gotta. I, I feel like I keep, because of Infantino's drawings, I keep having to Google image search Chewbacca to remind myself of what Chewbacca Because <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't seem right to me. It's true. You really can't get a good look at his fingers, can you? Like, his individual mm-hmm. fingers. Um, Yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of gorilla-like, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're not these, like, long talons that we see yeah. here. Yeah, because because I'm going, like, uh, if that's the case, why wasn't he clawing people apart? No, but, like, in the, the novels specifically, when we get into more of, like, Wookiee culture, we know that they do have, like, claw-like nails that let them climb trees and stuff. Right, right, right. Uh, now, here's a new... When we turn the page here, <clears throat> we find out that <clears throat> the plant will explode if you fall into it, but apparently, if you hit the force field... The planet will also fire vaporizer beams. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like planetoids do. <laughs> I just, I don't know. This is Don't know what other hidden delights these little suckers hold. Also, Chewbacca is also Stretch Armstrong because look at his arm in that top panel there when he's grabbing Han's leg. <laughs> yeah, he's Inspector Gadgeting. Inspector. I'll get you next time, Chewbacca. Inspector Wookie. <laughs> um, I would watch that show. Oh, of course. Uh, Give me a Wookie in a trench coat and a fedora. <laughs> uh, so many weird uh, nicknames Han has for Chewie throughout these next couple issues. Because here we've got when he calls him, you know, Furface. And then I, I don't know when he starts calling him Big Buddy. Oh, it's this. Ne- it's actually the next panel. Uh, <laughs> all right, big buddy. Just once again, what? <laughs> sure, they're trying, look, they're trying stuff, man. There's so Tom's much- vernacular has never been uh, consistent in these books. <laughs> this is very funny to me, though. All right, big uh, so they're, they're trying to come up with a plan because now Chewie and Han are together and they're back to back, and Chewie's Wait. letting out a wark. You can tell that they're coming up with a plan because Han is scratching his chin like. I'm thinking. Hmm. <laughs> suspicious. And then also, I like it's just now Han's going, perhaps somebody is trying to make me die. <laughs> I love that it's only in the final round of this death game that Han Solo finally takes the time to go, you know what? I think things at the wheel might be rigged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come to think of it, they may not be playing fair, the criminal <laughs> place. <laughs> 
Somebody's working overtime to see we don't come out of this any way but dead. I do like that phrasing. Yeah, it's 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 really specific phrasing. Uh, I'd bet a cargo of spice that it's all connected. Because once again, I always love moments like that where it's like we know so few things about Han Solo as a character. So it's just like, right, spice running. Cargo of spice, sure. Which... Only later will we establish that that is a deadly narcotic. That, right. Uh, the <laughs> fact that Han Solo is a drug smuggler. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's why I don't. I don't go like I'd bet a cargo of spice. Like Han, you're not using spice, are you? you it's, it's cardamom. It's fine. <laughs> I no, I meant spice is not spice the drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so we we'll go to the next page. Chewie is very upset because he's grorking. Oh, uh, that's his classic. I'm upset noise. Mm-hmm. And Han's uh, deflecting more uh, blasts, including from, I'm sorry, you want to talk about Lazy on this second panel on this page? Isn't that guy just Han Solo in armor? Um, Same boots, same pants, same, yep, yep, it's yep. pretty yep. much just his Han hair, I mean, his hair color is a slightly lighter shade of brown, <laughs> I'll give you that. Pretty much the same length of design. I saw that and went, come on. And also, once again, forget it, Corellian. How do they know he's a Corellian? Like, you don't, like... Because he smells like one. That's what I mean. It's like, he's got that <laughs> Corellian accent or whatever, you know? Like I don't... Only a Corellian would wear a vest to a gladiatorial match where everyone else is shirtless. Because it's, once again, they don't know what any of this is, right? They just yeah. know one is a Corellian. Uh-huh. Um, but they have no context for what that means. I know. I, that's the thing I love about this, where it's like, oh, they have, like, Star Wars terminology, but none of it's been defined yet. Spice, mm-hmm. Corellian... What does that mean? Uh, but whatever. Uh, this is th- once again Han Solo being cool. He ricochets this blast past them to blow up the planetoid to blow these guys up. A lot of, uh, th- by the way, approved by the comics code. Lots of murder in this book. I love this middle panel with the Vadoom, ah! where you get these like two corpses being seared by this explosion. <laughs> this is brutal, like uh. 2099 AD stuff right here. Hell yeah, man. I love that. Uh, I mean, in Ventino, it's interesting. He can be lazy like we've talked about, but then there are times like this where it's just like, yes, he loves an explosion or, or some sort of you know, anything like that. You can really, you can see where it's like, I'm lovingly showing these guys being vaporized. <laughs> Swim against the explosion shockwave, Chewie. Again, that doesn't make any sense in nope. zero G, but okay. Nope. Nope, nope, we can, nope. We can doggy paddle in space. It's fine. <laughs> Two ownerless needle rays are drifting our way. Yeah. But except among betters playing long shots, this audience maneuver draws no cheers, particularly in the royal lounge of the Grand Casino. And then do you get more comic book villain than the statement, Blast you, Grey Shade! Look, this last panel on this page is one of the most comic booky comic book things we've seen in this comic book, which is the villains watching the heroes on a screen going blast. <laughs> well, especially I'm looking at a guy in a green jumpsuit with ball. This is total Lex Luthor energy. Oh, this is Lex Luthor. This is Apocalypse in the yep. X Factor book running at this time. Yep. This is last so many things. Did. Uh, uh, you've been too clever, and the spice smuggler and his Wookiee companion are benefiting from it. Yeah, because on the next page, we cut to uh, Commander Strom, lest we forget, the Imperial who's trying to, like, subtly take over the wheel, and the guy who runs the wheel, Senator slash, uh, I... 
Yeah, what is what? Yeah, whatever. He's manager of the thing or whatever. Yeah, Grace. Uh, what's Pit his first name? Simon. Simon Grace. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but the idea that someone's named Simon in the world of Star Wars just makes me laugh. I just love how like Doctor Strangey his collar is. It goes all oh, the way God, up past yeah. his, the crown and of his head. The one consistency throughout this book, no matter who's doing it, lounge chairs. <laughs> Look, you gotta if you're a bad guy, you gotta have lounge chairs. And just this, look at this pose on Grayshade with his hand up, like, yes. Mm. Mm. His elbow's not even resting on something. He's just holding his fist up dramatically, like, near his cheek, like, mm, yes. Mm. I'm an evil genius and such. Uh, I know subtlety is difficult for the military mind, Strong. I do love these scenes, just because it's, it's, it's so overwrought bad guy dialogue and I live for that. I mean, that's, of course, being a 60s Bond nerd like I am. This is how every villain talks in those movies. It's just great. Right. And what this page is doing is we're sort of reestablishing the, the ongoing plot here that the fact that the Empire is here to sort of subtly take control over the wheel and its profits by blaming the Rebellion for shooting down a bunch of ships that have been trying to leave the wheel. And that's why they're not outright just executing Han Solo and company, because then it would look like an Imperial takeover. Yeah, I do think that's it. Your way attracts attention, and I don't think the Empire wants that, right? Now, when the mm -hmm. tribal women believe in the wheel and its patrons have become targets of the Rebel Alliance. Uh, but it, is, it does just seem like, I don't know, wouldn't it also draw attention if heroes of the Rebellion are killed in gladiatorial combat aboard the... Wouldn't some questions be asked? At this point, the only person who is, like, publicly a member of the Rebel Alliance is Princess Leia, though, right? Luke Skywalker sort of becoming a legend now and we talk about isn't that the whole thing with uh Valance that like everybody knows Luke Skywalker blew up the Death Star with his robot friends people are starting to learn that yeah obviously we don't Valance uh, we have some people later that like Vader doesn't know that and the Empire doesn't yeah. know that but but uh but Valance had that bootleg VHS of what happened so uh <laughs> look he, he bought a ticket to go see Star Wars it's just that easy <laughs> Uh, I saw this movie, Star Wars. That Luke Skywalker's up to something. Mm -hmm. uh, this book continues to do something that drives me insane, which is cutting from interiors to exteriors for no reason. With no way of knowing who's talking once we're on right. the exterior. Yeah. yeah. And not, because like, once again, I, I've, talked about, I've talked about this before, and this will be the last time I talk about it, but I'll just keep, but like, the idea of being, a lot of comics do this where they would, the first panel we'd see would be the outside, and then we'd go in. Mm. But the idea of doing multiple panels inside a ship, and then for no reason cutting to the outside of it, and then cutting back into it, once again screams of like, well, we just want to put a ship in here. Well, and especially the wheel, which I f I'm going to have to go back and look through the last few issues, but I feel like its design has consistently changed from issue I to agree issue. with that. It also, I cannot get a clear image in my head of what it looks like. I mean, besides a wheel, right? Yes, I mean, it's, it's always wheel-like, as befitting its name. But yes, uh -huh. the exact nature of it is uh, is strange. Um, but there, so then anyway, there's uh, there's lots of ba 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 bad guy machinations. Right, they're gonna die in the arena, Strom. You don't have anything to worry about. Meanwhile, Strom is like, well, a toast to all of our evil. And then we find out that. Uh, Gray Shade has been playing for time and that he is drugged strong because we're in the middle of a double cross. But the one thing he didn't count on was that Strom is ready to be poisoned? I mean, we'll get to that. But, but, I, but I, That's one of my favorite about this. Like, okay, so he's Batman? Uh, 
He's immuned himself to every poison known to man. Uh, I, I love the line here from Greyshade, though, it, when he says, I may not respect your mind, Strom, but I am awed by your constitution. The drug in your drinks should have had you snoring long before this. <laughs> and he's looking straight up like the vulture when he collapses there. Oh, sure. I mean, he's a, a bald dude dressed in green. That would be yeah. a tough comparison not to draw. The second he draws into that hunching... Yeah. Uh, uh, but intrigue, <laughs> the transitionary dialogue is always, but intrigue is not the exclusive property of Simon Grayshade. For amid the many holes and access corridors in the artificial satellite's docking area, just just say, meanwhile, in the docking area. Once again, it's always so verbose. But I think that's a throwback to old, like, movie serials, right? I think they're playing into the themes of this a little bit. And it's written better than, than other, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, there are times when it works better than other times is what I would say. Sure. I love that this panel, we get the continuation of an arrow in the background art, letting us know which way the mo action is moving. Well, what I like is that not only do we have an arrow, but Luke is also pointing in the direction they're about to go. You're really aware of where they're going. Well, Luke saw the arrow. Yeah, see over there. <laughs> Leia, I don't know where to go, but suddenly this arrow appeared. Mm -hmm. And uh, is just staring down the barrel of the lens there. <laughs> He's looking right at the audience. Can you believe this? So they're trailing a bunch of security guards, and they security guards are going inside some kind of hangar bay where we know the Imperial Cruiser is. Um, and Leia kind of puts that together, saying they must be putting those stolen strong boxes aboard a ship. Which, as we stated last time, are just normal briefcases. Yes, full of <laughs> monies. Space monies. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, and so the, the, she's talking. They're putting together what's happening, right? Like, it's like, right. oh, well, no. Slowly. We've already got enough to we've already got enough to prove the loot everyone thinks was pirated by the rebels actually was hidden by the Imperial Commander's cruiser. Has everyone yeah. caught up? I almost want Leia to stop and go, we all caught up? Does everybody get we this? We all know what's going on? Yeah, all right. we all got this. All right. I know I know it's issue five of a six part series, so there's a lot of plot happening, but we're all got we're all on the same page. Yeah, okay, good. Well, and it's always that comic book thing where it's like they're sneaking around corners and she's talking until Grayshade's guard stole it from the Empire crew. Still abusive to learn with my own one. It's like shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> Yeah, no wonder the guards turn on them and are ready for them when they turn the corner. They heard them yammering from a block away. <laughs> uh, I also, I love this guy going, we're the senator's hand-picked elite bomb boy. All right, Hydra Bob, slow your roll. <laughs> right? He's just like, oh, we're the best. Mm -hmm. Don't don't say you're hand-picked if your face is indistinguishable from the guy to your left and right. <laughs> We are clones. Um, <laughs> and boy, uh, but yeah, we've got the, the Senator's handpicked elite are like green and yellow, classic, yeah. like a Hydra, Cobra, pick your acronym, evil organization goons. Yeah, these guys uh, also interviewed at Spectre. You know, it's, it's yeah, of course. whatever. Um, why is uh, R2 going, uh, he's, he's, he's pointed the wrong way. Yeah, that seems like an art era. Uh, I mean that, or he's like quickly trying to turn around. I guess, but it just, yeah, it just it, it 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 struck me as weird. And oh, the glorious hair on Luke in that panel. Yeah, his ever shifting mullet is uh, beginning to uh, turn in its metamorphic properties. And once again, that arrow is telling me he's going that way. 
so many arrows. The arrows are nonstop. And then I just, okay, this struck me last night when I was reading this. I want to follow what he does here. Follow the physicality of Luke Skywalker from this page into the next page. All okay, right? so in this page, he is crouching, lean forward, elbow crooked, pistol held really dumbly, uh, confronting yeah. to... Uh, confronting the scene as the door opens and there's all these guards here. So okay. turning the page, we oh, no. see him dive to the ground. <laughs> That's what it is. So, okay. Presumably what it's trying to tell us is that he's diving into a role, except for the, the, the position of his body between these two panels makes no sense to me. Well, it does if you imagine him leaping up and his body twisting 180 degrees, like it's being rotated like a 3D modeling program. Absolutely, because it seems here, if, if you see what he's doing here, he's just going to collide into... Because when I turned the page reading this last night, I went, why is he just hitting the ground? And yeah, then he belly suddenly, flops. Suddenly he's doing like a roll onto his back and shooting three guys. Yeah, um, because, John, despite the clothes he's wearing... Luke Skywalker hasn't truly been a farm boy since the Battle of the Death Star. I do so love he, that. he's gained these skills yeah. blowing up a space station. You can't forget that. Well, it's, it's one of the things, and this is, of course, really in comparison to, uh, which is unfair to this book, but also just just the logical thinking of the, the, the Jason Aaron Star Wars book that we mm -hmm. all love, mm -hmm. uh, where he kept him in the yellow jacket from the end of, like, why would he put back on the, the clothes of a farm boy on Tatooine after the events of Star Wars? Those things have got to stink yeah, so I know, bad. Right? I just feel more comfortable in these very deserty clothing, right? Like that obviously is what he was dressed like in the first movie. And those were the clothes he was wearing under the stormtrooper armor when he fell in the trash yeah. I'm just saying. That's just, it's just, it's sort of like, man, why are you return? I understand they just want the model that is like the action figure, but I love that, that that's something Jason Aaron thought about in his run. It's like, no, there's sort of like a transition to rebel pilot and hero and soldier guy. Like, Well, and the fact that Princess Leia, when she's not having to perform a like espionage move of pretending to be a senator, she's not wearing the white dress no. at all. Even Han never puts on really the, the exact same classic ensemble again. You know, like there is sort of an evolution to their looks. It turns out, and I know this is weird for some Star Wars fans in the late 70s. People can change their clothing. Well, I am really curious what's going to become of the character designs post-Empire. Like, are they just going to stay in their Empire costumes for the next couple years of the book? They're going to look like they just got off of Hoth for yes, three I mean, years. It's going yeah. to be Leia in that, like, white snow outfit and Han in the black jacket. Well, Han won't be in it, though, will he? I mean, we'll see. In flashbacks, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, I would... we'll, we'll be getting a lot more Lando, I'll say that much. Yeah! And will he be in that sick cape? Um, oh, what cape won't he be in? All the capes, all the capes. Okay, and but then, uh, continue to follow the physicality of Luce Gower. Mm, it's okay. the crown, turns that into a roll, yeah. then is up on his feet and his back in sort of a crouching, running, shooting pose. That yeah. then turns into a full James Bond spin-out, like... On that last one. So, I gotta assume that in between the events of everything we've seen here and the movie, somewhere he took a action role gunfighting course at his local community college. He had back on Yavin 4. He had to have. Because yeah. it is... I... Man, it is so wild. 
Or maybe the principles of doing a barrel roll hold regardless of context. I don't know. I'm not a star pilot. It's an all-purpose do a barrel roll. It's uh, a classic Skywalker maneuver. The spinning is always a fun trick. Uh, and then he, and then though he comes up and is a real shitty misogynist. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Don't rush yourself, your highness. Since I'm going that way myself, I'll accompany you. That way, you won't have to carry that heavy blaster. You know, you might break a nail. <sighs> to be fair, I don't think that's Luke talking. That's gray shade. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So you know what? Luke's you know not what? being the asshole here. Take it back. I do take it back, but what I'll say this is, the drawings do not make that clear. Yeah, until you turn the page, uh, <laughs> we have a gun pointed at Leia. Leia's yeah. got this big rifle. Why she just doesn't immediately merc Grayshade is beyond uh, me. Make no sense. We we know she has no problem taking lives, and this guy <laughs> sucks more than anyone. I did keep thinking that. It's like, dude, just kill this guy. It would solve so uh -huh. many problems if you just shot him. Yeah. No, uh, because, yep, we turn the page and, oh, it's Grey Shade. And Leia says as much. Yeah, Grey Shade. Yes, your escape hasn't proven the inconvenience I feared it would. You've managed to find your way to the very spot I intended to bring you. How convenient. Well, this is all working out for Grey Shade. Uh, I do love... <laughs> Everything's coming up, Grey Shade. And, boy, if Grey Shade is 100% the guy who would say, my private yacht... Yeah, so it turns out this hangar has a private yacht, and that's where they were storing all of the captured uh, booty that the Empire had stolen from the wheel, and now the wheel has stolen it back, but now Grayshade's just going to run away with it, I guess, is the plan it's here? Double and triple crosses left and right here. Yeah. But, while he's explaining all of that, and explaining that he is, uh, don't worry, Princess, I'm about to explain, but first... <laughs> But first, an interlude. Interlude, as we get the strangest perspective on so weird. a Death Star I've ever seen. Or not Death oh, Star, a Star Destroyer. So, so weird. It's going like this, right? It's going like, it's at this weird, like, wow. Like, yeah, the, the, the speed lines and the direction the ship is pointing are all wrong. It's supposed to be in hyperspace, right? But it just doesn't look right. It's a very odd perspective. And and we hear the, the urging of one voice, a sinister voice, rasping from the confines of a breath mask. Breath mask is a weird term. It also implies that they know he's not a robot. They know he's a guy right. breathing in a suit. There's also just something weird about Vader on the control of uh, the control panel is going faster. Make it go faster. <laughs> I pick up the pace, jackass. <laughs> so I've done a lot of expanded universe Star Wars reading. That's sort of my shtick on the you? show, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But like, and and I've watched every show. I've watched every movie, yeah. including the ones that aren't good. Multiple times. <laughs> yes, yes. That includes the Ewok stuff and, like, a lot of extraneous <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. I could be wrong, but it, except in, like, very specific cases, I don't think it's... Imp I don't 
think that gunning it in hyperspace is a thing. No, I, I sort of feel like you enter hyperspace and that's how fast you're, you know, it's sort of like a fat thing, right? It's not like... It, it, it's it's dependent on the class of ship you have and the size of the hyperdrive they have. So there are different hyperspace speeds, but generally you can't increase it once yeah. you've committed to it. Don't be afraid to give a little gas, Wormus. <laughs> Put that foot down, coward. Yeah. And then Vin Diesel shows up and goes, hit the nose. And again, nobody knows any of this stuff in Star Wars yet. So as of right now, we can go faster in hyperspace. It's, sure. It's very funny, though. Just the idea of like, pick it up. What are we waiting for? Vader going, are we there yet? Yeah. Uh, I love what Vader's. I mean, I. I, I will say, I enjoy the Vader cutaways the most in this book. because uh, oh, Vader rules. Vader always rules. Vader always rules, and Goodwin's pretty good at writing him. This scene with Wormus, where he's just like, oh, you, you're you slagging off the force? Well, you don't know what it feels like. And chokes him out, and then is like, crawl to me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so good. This is such cool. good Vader here. This is good Vader, man. I love this. Uh, yeah, no, because uh, Wormus is mouthing off at him and saying, Come, come, Lord Vader, be yeah. reasonable. My ship is at stake. We're utterly torturing the warp drive now. Isn't it enough that we're making this mad dash to the wheel on little more than a whim? I, I mean, the oh force God. is no whim, Captain Wormus. Yeah, I, I love, uh, number one, I love the uh, the term utterly torturing the warp drive. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's good sci-fi shit we're talking. Also, the use of punctuation stuff to make him go, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm, uh, uh-oh. He realizes that he's scoffing at Lord Vader halfway through his sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we're doing, and, 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 and as this continues, uh, there's some real weird stuff with their mental connection. Um, but I, I do like the Force users being able to sense each other, certainly. Oh, uh, and that's been a thing throughout like a lot of star of wars it's gonna like, get it's gonna get weirder later when they have a mind battle but you know that's for next sure time. and look mind battles are a proud tradition in star wars <laughs> and we'll get into some of the weirder actually, mind battles later on weird weird enough star trek 2 uh, as well actually star trek also has mind battles um i, I was just watching an episode of voyager last night that had a very strange mind yeah. battle concept yeah Tuvok got into a lot of those actually yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Vulcan <laughs> Vulcan mind powers are, uh, they really ebb and flow. It depends on the needs of the story. Um, hey, they're honestly the same as the Force. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, it's just like, but yes, he chokes the guy. He makes him crawl. I do like, and cr- uh, you can move, Wormus. You can drop to your knees and crawl. Crawl to me. Well done, Captain. Your lack of stamina. Uh, or was it? You lack the stamina of a Corberian swamp dog, but I'm certain you can match its unquestioning obedience. And obviously they are taking this, because this is very much the case in the first movie, but I love him just being like, oh, what was that? What was that? Oh, you, you being a badass? Oh, I saw you. Sorry, I can't hear you over your lack of oxygen right now. Like, just putting <laughs> these guys in their place. I never get tired of that. It's the Yeah, point. it's so good. Uh, and then here they continue into the 70s blacklight painting. Uh, <laughs> and I do like, again, out on the exterior of the ship, so we have no idea who's talking because Vader doesn't have distinct speech bubbles at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, but, I mean, I, yeah. Uh, but when they when they say you you men heard Lord Vader speed more speed I'm now picturing the guy shoveling coal into the thing. 
All right, turn it up, boys. We cut to the lower decks of the Titanic as they're turning valves and shoveling coal. <laughs> it's a little-known fact that Star Destroyers are steam-powered. Uh, no. Yeah, very true. And then uh, uh, space coal. An inter- and then uh, and then once again an interlude in hyperspace. And... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we needed that particular line of why not? Uh, why not just caption have, there? Meanwhile, within Simon Gracie's private yacht, negotiations begin. That's fine. He yeah, wants to do the ends and begin. I see what he's doing, but stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, I mean, I think obviously it is some of the reaction of coming from being a modern comics reader and just going like, you don't yeah. need all these words, man. They're so overwritten. Right. Uh, I and you'd think that in an era in which they were just trying to get these issues out, that they would lean away from it being... More wordy, but again, I have a distinct feeling that they're getting paid by the word here. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, yeah, uh, I do, I, and I love this exchange of "I can't believe this," "I can't believe we're even discussing this," and then the "You're young, Skywalker." When you've had my experience, the only astounding thing is how very little astounds you. Right, and what we're finding out is so astounding is the fact that Grayshade will let everyone go so long as he can effectively kidnap Princess Leia to keep as his yeah wife companion. Yeah. There's a lot of murky ethical shit happening here. Have Leia, like what? Yeah, but he also talks about like. Oh, don't worry. I'll grow on you. Like, yeah, this yeah, relationship yeah. will start contentious, but then you will learn to love me. Princess, have you ever heard of the term Stockholm Syndrome? Like, <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what he is. It's just like, once you realize you have no choice, you'll just sort of settle into things, you know? He specifically says, under normal circumstances, as in our Senate days, you'd never give me the time to make... <laughs> to make you love me. Yeah. I'm merely creating circumstances where you can. Isn't that great? We're giving us all the time in the world, Leia. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This guy, it's just like at every turn, he just keeps getting slimier and more disgusting. And again, why Leia just doesn't turn around and kill this fool is no, beyond instead me. instead goes like, well, if that's what it's going to take. Yeah, specifically... Uh, Gray Shade is like, look, we have all of the money that the Empire stole that I'm re-stealing. Don't forget there's arrows pointing outside to let you know where the money is. <laughs> <laughs> the top panel here. All the arrows are just pointing in! <laughs> and they're at different spots. It's not as though this is a uniform, like, landing pad where the arrows are at specific locations. It's just point <laughs> pointedly drawn on the floor around the perimeter of the ship. Land here! <laughs> Land. Like land, landing yeah. pads have that sort of thing, but they're all at a uniform distance and like I drawn mean, in diagram. At this point, why don't they just put a big circle on the ground and just say "land in the circle"? Why the arrows? I oh, don't know. so weird. And uh, guess what, Luke? Not cool with sex slavery. Yeah, good yeah. on Luke Skywalker for not being cool for non-consensual relationships. And then good Le- job, Luke. But then Leia going, "It's my choice whether I sell myself, Luke." Yeah, and then Grayshade turns on a TV and is like, look, if you don't decide soon, somebody's going to die, because guess who's in the gladiatorial arena right now? Remember this part of the plot? <laughs> Does everyone remember Han Solo? Let's check back in with him. Uh, yeah, 
So we have a diegetic check back in with Han Solo and the Gladiator, and we have a slick cut from him on the TV to him in the same pose, but now the panel is with him. Mm -hmm. I do love, once again, this guy getting uh, shot, and then when you turn the page, just the big smoking hole in his chest that Han shot him. (laughs) Good lord! Yeah. So we cut back into the Gladiator gladiatorial arena just as Han and Chewie are finishing off most of their opponents in here. It's always been very vague as to how many people were actually in this arena, but we determined at this point that there are three left. Han, yep. Chewie, and a pterodactyl Sauron-looking motherfucker. <laughs> yes. And I mean Sauron the Spider-Man villain, not Sauron the Lord of the Rings villain. Correct. And uh, here's another one for you, Gurgoni, as the the encyclopedia of Star Wars of this show. Uh, Tyluan Night Sorer. Yeah, the Tyluan Night Sores are uh, a storied... No, they appear in this issue and this issue. Yeah, because that feels like goofy comic book shit, not something in the galaxy far, far away. Both the name and the design. Yeah, yeah. Again, he looks like Sauron. Sauron of the the X-Men, of the Savage. uh, Yeah, he's been a bunch of guys' villains, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, So the only... uh, (laughs) The only entry on Wikipedia of uh, Tyloon, the planet specifically, is that it is a planet in the mid-rim. It is part of the Juvex sector, apparently. Um, Where was that defined, I wonder? Its native species is the Night Soarers, and the only appearance of the Night Soarers is this comic, the next issue, and an issue of Knights of the Old Republic number 41. But they're only mentioned there as a reference. Somebody dug deep, though, for that reference. I love that. In 2009, somebody wow. went back and was like, I'm going to reference something from 79. I love it. Uh, they are described, uh, uh, they have the stealth and cunning that has made his race famous as assassins. So they are an assassin race, basically. Which is oh, Apparently, of- it's also uh, brought up in the, the Essential Atlas. I own that. I'll have to look that up. Interesting. Well, that's would be where its placement is, right? Like, I'm going, like, where is any of that coming up? Where, what section of the universe it's in or whatever yeah as far as like assassin races and star wars go i rate this guy easily bottom 10 (laughs) i think that's fair i don't have the breadth of knowledge that you do but that seems about right still um i'm trying to remember the name of the race that was like thrawn's like henchman dude that goes uh hunting leia um and then there was also that guy that was like uh basically sworn to Darth Vader and then joins up with Leia uh, in the Thrawn trilogy as well. Yes, yes. That is one of the expanded universe things I have read is the Thrawn trilogy. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that's like mainstream expanded universe, right? Like, And you only deal with mainstream stuff, John. (laughs) I do. I'm famously Mr. Mainstream. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, that's sort of just like, those were, those got like, that and Shadows of the Empire got like press. Right. Um, uh, okay. So uh, Han and Chewie finish off the last of these guys. Uh, Chewie hitting that, his uh, guy with an iron? Yeah. Clocking him right in the face with that hot iron, man. That's why I go. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah. Clocks him with the iron so that so that all that's left is Han, Chewie, and the Tyloon Night Sorrow. Right. To which and... Han's like, there's no chance. Han comes out of the smoke that he's exploded a guy with. Yep. Uh, and swims out of it, as it continues to say. Yeah, they can swim in space. It's fine. So 
Well, Han and Chewie face each other down, and Han's explaining, look, there's no chance here. This is a death trap. One of us has got to get out of here. It should be you. you got to kill me, Chewie. Kill me! Because you can probably kill the, the Thailand Night Star. I definitely can't. But you've got a chance, so you just go ahead and kill me, because they're not going to let us both win. Uh, and we get to stare down at the bottom of the page with Chewbacca again looking like Sasquatch from Alpha Flight. Did you and... button in your head make it go, <laughs> Like then they said to Marconi. Don't bring him into this. <laughs> That's what they're going for, though, right? In this, like, eyes, eyes. Sure, sure. And Han's face suddenly becomes, like, extremely angular. Very Eastwoody. Um, and then, holy shit, Han Solo is dead. They killed him! Yep. So, with a Vidal, Chewbacca the Wookiee shoots Han Solo, arms open wide, in the chest, while Luke, Leia, and Greyshade look on from a video monitor on his space yacht, and... Han and Solo, I, that's right, is dead. He will not be showing up in the next movie because he is definitely dead. He's definitely dead. And I do like Grey Shade going like, well, I, I didn't think anyone would actually get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I, I never anticipated this. Really? I thought I thought there'd still be time to. <laughs> but here's the thing. He threw this guy into a gladiator pit, disabled his weapon. Han could have been killed instantly. What do you mean you thought there'd be time? <laughs> He's been trying to kill him from, like, moment one. He threw, in round one of these gladiators, he threw him against, like, a guy ten times his weight with poisonous spike daggers. Based on the, the, the odds of what you've been doing, Han should be dead before you even had these negotiations. I never really yeah. thought he'd die, though. My God. I just kept putting him into death traps, but who thinks they're actually going to die? <laughs> and then Leia's like, fine, I will be given to you. Yeah, I mean, her exact line is, I can't watch anyone else I care for be destroyed. Not after Alderaan, not, not after, after this. Yeah, she is talking about the loss of Alderaan for like the first time in this book, so. I know, a lot of stories really don't impress upon how Leia is affected by the destruction of Alderaan. Right. I like this book sort of leans on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I d and I, once again, would recommend that Marvel miniseries uh, that was out uh, when Marvel first got the that Princess Leia miniseries, if you want to see her deal with Alderaan. Mm, yeah, and that's like her specifically dealing with like Alderaanian refugees. Yeah, I really yeah. like that, because that one leans into it harder than I've seen anything, really. Yeah. So. And it sort of talks about how she sort of has to remain stoic for the sake of yeah, like, I mean, it, the rebellion it, it, and stuff. It's, it's kind of, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say like fixing necessarily, but it's sort of addressing things the movie's never had time to address or addressing sure. why she doesn't have time to address those. So anyway, uh, don't miss the next issue, folks, because uh, Gurgani, they promise our senses are going to be shattered in this conclusion. Our senses shattering conclusion. Now, John... I've read a I've read a lot of comics. Yeah, I, I know you have too. Yep. Have your senses ever been shattered by well, a comic book? I will say this: comics are an amazing medium that can do a lot of things. I wouldn't say it involves all senses. <laughs> I would say it involves one. Yeah. <laughs> 
like, when you go to like a movie or, or or play a video game or something, there's lots of senses that you could be bombarded with that could potentially be shattered. Very tough for a comic to shatter those senses. I'm just trying to think of like all the comic books I've read. Have any of my senses been shattered? My emotions have been shattered by excellent Ab- storytelling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, that's at the best that can happen. Um, but yeah, it is senses shattering. I read that. I couldn't get past that last night. I just go like, what are you implying is going to happen in the next issue? Your eyes will fall out of your skull watching the next issue of Star Wars. It just turns into, you just end up like the villains and raiders. Like, ah, <laughs> this issue, it's shattering my senses. Yes, because next issue, it's flight into fury. Oh, look, we're going to have to deal with the ramifications of Han Solo's death. Yeah. Can Leia ever forgive Chewbacca the Wookiee? And is there going to be another misguided makeout between brother and sister? Uh, there's only one way to find out next time. Yes, that's right. So join us next week for that. But of course, if you want to get more of this show and help support the whole network, you can go to our Podbean patron page, which is patron.podbean.com slash punchup. Once again, there's cool exclusive bonus content on there as well as helping us uh, make the shows better. Yes, indeed. You can find all sorts of bonus content on there if you help support us, including uh, bonus episodes of all the other shows in the network and uh, whole other shows. Like if you want to hear John and I talking about more 70s nonsense, you can go listen to us talking about every single episode of the original Incredible Hulk TV show Mm -hmm. uh, on the Green Mile. Or you can listen to uh, John Campbell and friend of the show, Brendan Jones, talk about uh, another show from the 70s, uh, Coltrek the Night Stalker. Yeah, nights talking. But yeah, right about as this is coming out, we should just be wrapping that up before we get into our next mini series uh, spinoff of uh, Meet the Monsters, which I'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, everything you can do there helps support us. And if you're watching this on YouTube, another way to support the show is by uh, hitting like. Uh, subscribe, dongle the bongle down there. Uh, let us know in the comments below. You think Han Solo's really dead? I mean, he seems like such a popular character. It's so wild to think about. <laughs> and now everyone is going, I thought he was an Empire, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, his twin brother, who knows everything about all the main characters, showed up mid-page and was like, look, Han told me all about you guys. Why don't you just call me Han? <laughs> in fact... Why don't you just call me Han and we pretend none of this ever happened? <laughs> One of right. my favorite jokes from Beer Fest. Um, <laughs> that is great. Uh, by the way, an uh, underrated gem. I don't hear enough people talk about how fucking hilarious that movie is. Yeah, it gets overshadowed by Super Troopers, obviously. Yeah, but... I'm, I'm kind of partial to Beer Fest. Super Troopers is great as well, but mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, yeah, that's going to wrap up this week's episode, though. Yes, indeed. Uh, And, of course, I have been Mike Cargoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. 